All right, guys, y'all turn to First John. First John, chapter 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 the whole day. Chapter 2, verse 28 is the focal verse, but we're going to be back. We're going to back up and, and in there as well. And the title of the day's lesson is Stay Consistent. Let's go over the ones we've had. Uh, Dan, I know your first day here. We're, we're going over David Jeremiah living with confidence in a chaotic world. How do we live in here? And the cool thing about this, and I've known Dan since 1965. I knew his mother and his sister. I didn't know your dad. I think he had passed away before I got old enough. He grew up out there. So, I mean, I grew up in Valley Grove. And he's older than me, but, I mean, he knows my mother and dad the whole nine yards. So, he, uh, this was written in 08. Jeremiah wrote it, and how relevant it is to this time today. Chaotic world. Uh, you remember it was stay calm, stay compassionate, uh, stay constructive, challenged, connected, centered, confident, and today is to stay consistent. And then we got two more after this is committed and convinced. <clears throat> and after that, we're going to go to, we're going to study grace. I got it sitting on the dashboard of my truck. I got another little book like this. And it's on the dashboard of my truck out there, and we're going to study grace. Like I told you, I tried to. Tried to find one that uh, for uh, mercy. I can't. I can't find a Bible study on mercy. So I'm going to go with grace, hoping God laid mercy on my heart, and I hope grace. We get we get mercy as we study it. But stay consistent. Let's talk about consistency. What is what does consistency do for you when you think about something being consistent? What are the characteristics that consistency brings to the table? I'm sorry. It makes you strong. Makes you stronger. How? Well, you know, if you get consistent, you're going to keep building on what you did yesterday. You're going to build on the next day and build okay. on it. And build on it to where you're going to keep I got it. More. I got it. I like it. You're getting better. Yeah, I got it. What else? What else does consistency bring? Bring strength. Stability, I like it. You got an S because they're on S's. Re repetition, repetition makes you stronger, and, and consistency makes you more comfortable with what you're doing. You're, you're confident. Confident. I can't think of an S word, but consistency makes you confident. Consistently doing something, you know what you're doing, and you're not as I like fearful of making an error. What about coach? What'd you start saying? About? I learn best by repetition. I, I, I can't, I don't learn much any other way. I guess that's why I screw up so much. It takes me a long time to get through my thick heads. My daddy would say, get that through your thick head. Uh, but it just, I, I just need that consistency, uh, repetitious life. Let me read what Jeremiah says right here, page 92. Consistency breeds confidence and encourage in the face of chaotic times such as those we are in now. How, how do you think consistency breeds confidence? And I, I'm, I'm not taking away from any of these. Hey, Tony, come on in, man. I'm not taking away from any of these other things, but he's brought out confidence. Today is, is uh, he's talking about, anyway, as we get into First John chapter 2, verse 28 here, we're going to talk about consistency and confidence, how it brings how does consistency bring confidence, do you think? Y'all have explained uh, strength and uh, stability and repetition. Talk to me about how consistency brings confidence into something. All right. What else? If you're new to a job and the principal consistently builds you up instead of cuts you down as how what poor job you're doing in class, he's consistently trying to strengthen your, your attitude, then you, you feel confident about coming to work and, and you might I mean, you know, if if you if you feel confident in the way you being treated at work, you might want to take that long to buy a new house. Whereas otherwise you might be scared to make a move because you're not confident that it's gonna be the same way. Or like the sun coming up every morning. 
which can live. All right. Well, let's just talk about the sun coming up. The consistency of the sun rising on the east and sitting on the west. How does that bring confidence? Well, I just want to plan my day for that. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony, we in First John, but First John chapter two. Um, <laughs> um, I'll go back to 1999. I was the baseball coach at Carver County. We went to the semifinals. We had one pitcher. He pitched at UAH, Brent Davenport. After that, it was like the Braves are right now. We we piecemealed it. And, and, but we had one guy, and I love him today. He's a good guy. I ain't seen him. I don't know if I've seen him since that day. He just lived up the road from Mother and Daddy over there. I have seen him. He stopped in up there one day and saw my truck at Mother and Daddy. Uh, talked to him for a minute or two. Brad Thompson. <laughs> Brad Thompson pitched one game that year against – we played Russell up here at Lee. I think he said many games. He struck out 13 or 14. Brad could run it up there for high school pretty decent. He had a pretty good little fastball. He had a really nice curveball. But you don't know if he was going to do that that day or walk 15. Every other start that year was walk 15. And we get down there, we lose the first game, Brent pitches. We, 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 I don't know if he started the second game or the third game, but he started one of those games. And we, we won both of those. And, uh, but it was not because I just didn't have the confidence in him. Now I was a little appalled and shocked that we got beat when Brent pitched because he was 10 and 0 that year. And uh, he threw strikes. <clears throat> he didn't walk, folks. We played the first round playoff that year. Uh, I, I can't remember who we played. And that's very unusual. Took 50 minutes to play, seven inning game. Might have been a five inning game. We beat them 10 to nothing. Brent pitched. And we, we started the game at 4 o'clock, and at 10 to 5, everybody was gone because he was consistent, just bam, 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 bam. And, you know, I, did, I had confidence in him and, and didn't have confidence in Brad. And when Nolan and I talk about that to this day, we talk about, boy, I tell you, if old Brad could just thrown strikes, you know, we could we could have won it all. We could have got a squirrel, man. Yeah, that sounds like a squirrel. We'd have them up there in them gym. Uh, that's a big one. <laughs> it's a possum or a squirrel. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, you just – that consistency brings confidence, like the sun, like a quality closer in baseball. Somebody like John Elway in football, you just knew if he, if he had the ball at the end of the game, you knew y'all your, your team was going to win. So, and you, then you throw in some guy that don't have that, and you compare the two. So, let's keep going here. There's uh, three things to the outline here, and we're going to spend – there's five parts to number one, then number two and number three. It's just got a couple of things. But the first, first is Roman numeral number one is the marks of our consistency. Roman numeral number two is the motive. What motivates us? What should motivate us from verse 28 to be consistent? And then the measure of our consistency. And that's the three Roman numbers. First one is the marks of our consistency. Look at verse John, chapter 2, verse 28. First John, I'm going to read the whole thing. I could put all that on my phone, but then I thought, I ain't but one verse. I mean, one chapter, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it in my Bible. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, he, capital H, when Jesus appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. All right. Let me get my stuff here. When John uses the word abide, what is he talking about? He says, and now little children abide in him. When he uses the word abide, what do, what do you think John's meaning? Trust. Trust. What else? Practice righteousness. Practice. What else? Obey. Obey. What else? In the Greek, 
and I, che- I cheated. I got this from uh, Jeremiah. It means continue, remain, and stay in relationship. Continue, remain, and stay. I'm not real sharp in English. That's a shocker. But that is a present tense. It's kind of like Popeye, you know, when Wimpy, he'd ask Wimpy, or Wimpy would ask him for a hamburger, I'd gladly play you Tuesday for a hamburger. And every, every well, I'm going to play you Tuesday. You know, that would be next Tuesday. When they got to next Tuesday, it would be well, next Tuesday. It's a constant, you know. So when you remain, you're remaining. When you stay, you're staying. And when you, when you uh, continue, you're continuing. So it's a never-ending. You see where the word consistency comes from in this? When you're remaining, you're remaining in Christ. Today, tomorrow, five years from now, Lord willing, we're alive. It's not, hey, I, I remained one day, or I stayed one day, or I continued one day, or I will one of these days. In the future, it's now. And tomorrow will be now. Tuesday will be now. Wednesday will be, you see what I'm saying? And that's where he gets this. What are we to abide in? According to verse 28. In him. In Christ. Well, if, we, if, we, if that's our challenge, if John, the disciple that Jesus loved, commands us to abide in Christ, and now we know that that means to continue daily, to stay with daily, uh, to uh, remain daily, how do we do that? You know, Hogan, the other day, he did an inter-squad game. He walked three and hit two. He said, Dad, I, I, everything was up and in. Everything was high or up and in. Well, his, his delivery was not consistent. He was rushed. He was hurried. Yeah, I know, Daddy, but how do I solve that problem? You can talk to me about it, but I need some solutions. So how do you abide in Christ? Stay in his word. Stay in his word. How often? Every day. Every day. And that don't mean I walk around like this every day. No, there ain't no doubt. But we're gonna kind of get to that toward the end. And it's it's really a good a good word under Roman numeral three, I think, Tom, in this. And it's really a good word from Jeremiah about how 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 people are, how we are. And when Tommy says he slips up, hey, he's not flying solo. Matter of fact, I'm flying that plane. You're riding shotgun. You know what I mean? I'm the king slipper up. How else? When you, daily. That don't mean we're monks and we sit in a, in, a, in a cave and all we do is read God's word. How else do we abide in him? Well, in order to be, I keep thinking about it, the only time I use the word abiding will be law-abiding citizen. In order to be abiding of the law, you have to know the law. Oh. You ever been pulled out a professor in college? He took us to the prisons. That's the guy that took me to sit in the lecture chair. And uh, his favorite word was ignorance of the law is no excuse. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. This little peckerwood right here, when, we was leaving Lawrenceburg up there one night, Columbia at a baseball game. And I do not understand why in Tennessee, a major four-lane highway, the speed limit's 45. Can anybody answer that for me? I mean, it's like 157 and 20 out here is 70. But if you go up to Lawrenceburg, to Columbia, and Etheridge, it's, it's open as a case knife. And it's two-lane with a median, and it's 45 miles an hour. Why? You wasted your money on pavement out there is what you've done. Well, I did not have learned something today. Did y'all know that? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I was coming back, and I'm doing 55, 60, 65. Got pulled over and got a bank ticket. And uh, he said, well, right up. He said, I said, my, I didn't know. And, you know, basically, you know, I said, that's really not an excuse. But what John, what this Peckerwood did on Twitter or whatever at this time, well, I'm getting there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't wrong, Tommy. You heard that? I wasn't wrong. Okay. 
Well, I'm going down through there, and Keith Black and somebody, and Lee Walker, the coach, and Keith Black, two other vehicles, passed me. Whoever it was. They passed me, and I got a ticket. And when we get up there, I said, where does it turn 55? He said, right up the road. He said, you can start going 55 about a half a mile up there. I said, I'll call those two guys that passed me back there and tell them. You know, I was being a butt, what I was being. John David, I mean, any minute. Dad told you know, and he got him put it on dang internet. But I tell you, it ticked me off. I got a ticket. Why? I don't understand. That's all. That's, but ignorance of the law is no excuse. So if you're going to abide in him, you got to stay in the word, and you got to know the word. And that falls on my shoulders, your shoulders, right? You know it. I can't get bigger, stronger, faster as a college, high school athlete without getting after it myself. I don't just ride down the road and they throw strength and speed and agility in the window and flexibility. It's on me. All right? Let's read, uh, jump up there to verse 6. What are we to do? John chapter 2, verse 6. I told you it was going to be in just chapter 2. Look at verse 6. What are we to do? He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Y'all see that word again, abide? Go up there to verse 6. What are we to do? If we're going to do this and we need we need, we need a how-to, we've done start, throw out a couple. Now, Jeremiah's got about five or six right here. All right? All in, in second, 1 John chapter 2. He who says he abides. If you say that you abide with, in Christ, in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So what are we to do? We're to model Christ. We're to walk like he walks. Well, that leads to the question, how did Jesus walk? What are the things that Jesus did? I saw a thing on Twitter a day, O'Shree, he put on there. He said, we're wearing masks and Jesus touched the leopards. Oh, wow. You know, what else? What else are we to do? How did Jesus treat the woman at the well? He condemned her. He loved her. Well, let's just get personal. How does, how does Jesus treat David Israel? He forgives him. He loves him. He comforts him. How does God treat him? He sent a helper, also known as, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. He gave me his word. My word. Let me read what Jeremiah writes here on page 93. The only way for us to live like Christ is to know how Know him well. And we do that by reading the word of God. Tommy already mentioned it. Especially the four gospels. And by uh, abiding in him. By putting into practice the values, the priorities, and lifestyle choices that we read of him. Practicing when he was on earth. Well, what were some of the priorities? What did he do? He got up in the morning and he went what? He go run. And you go ride that bicycle that I've been doing? He got in the Word. He prayed. What was his lifestyle choices? He loved folks. He cared about them. He didn't want any to, to die without him. You see, so that's how we walk. If we say we abide in him, as First 6 says, that's, we walk like he walked. We do the same things that Jesus did. That goes back to what Woody's talking about, ignorance of the law. Well, what did he do? We need to know. We're all old enough in here to know something about that. All right? Let me read some of these other verses here. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 14, John makes living, uh, loving our spiritual brothers and sisters a sign that we have, quote, unquote, passed from death to life. That is not loving others, abiding in death. So if, if we walk like we love our brothers and sisters, that, that's, a, that's a sign. 
that's an indication that we have passed from death, hell, been saved to life. All right. First John chapter three, verse 23. John calls to mind Christ's commandment to love one another. Quote unquote, love one another. First John chapter four, verse seven and eight. John says that because quote unquote, God, love is of God. Our willingness to love the brother is an indication that we know God and vice versa. It's all getting down to that love, right? What did Paul say in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians? The greatest of these is love. How would that fly in today's world? In this chaotic world? It might be a solution. And I'm not talking about that dope-smoking hippie love. John chapter one, uh, 1 John 4, 20 said, John says that we are liars if we say we love God but hate our brother. And I, I, I highlighted this because I thought Jeremiah hit the nail on the head right here. John leaves no wiggle room for inconsistency in love. Zero. There's not a, hey, if, if then statement. There's not that. It does not say, well, if, if he's remorseful, you love him. And John is talking to me. I'm telling you, he's talking to me. In my, whatever we went over last time, unforgiveness, you remember that? In the last lessons with Stanley, unforgiveness. That's, that's not a, it's all right not to forgive, but I am to forgive. And I struggle with it. It's like pulling teeth every day. But there's no wiggle room in loving your brother. And he says, if we say we're a Christian, we will love one another, exclamation point, Jeremiah puts down. All right, number two, read, uh, look at John chapter two, first John two, verse 10. All right, what are we to do according to this? And he who, he who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. We're to love our brother. Let me, that's what I should have just read. All right, go to verse 14. I, I jumped the spot there. I've already covered all that. Didn't even know. Look at verse 14. What are we to do here? He says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him, capital H, who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. What are we to do? To be consistent. It was Tommy's thing a while ago. Look at verse 14, the last part. Because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. How do we... How do we increase our consistency? Having the word of God, like Tommy said. Daily, the word of God in us. Why are we strong according to verse 14? How are we capable of being consistent? Because of the word. Because of the truth. You know? How do, how do you have that bad day at the plate? or that bad day on the mound, it's because you know the truth when you step back and you look and say, that's what I was doing. You know what you can always go back to? There's that consistency of God's word. You know, and, 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 and <clears throat> you can go, you kick those feelings like Shreve said. You remember we went over a while back, Shreve said, kick those feelings to the curb. Hey man, I don't feel saved today. That's not what the Word of God says. You know, you got to, the enemies, yeah, the enemy's after you. He's after me every day. You got to kick those to the, you got to stay in the Word, and, and that gives you strength. That gives you consistency. I can, Tommy just said, when the sun comes up, I can, I can work my day around the consistency of the sun coming up. Because I've got the confidence and it gives me strength to know that what's going on is going to happen because of that consistency. All right, look at verse uh, 24. Let me get my glasses on. I got them in the wrong hand. What are we to do here in verse, according to verse 24? Therefore, let that abide in you which you hear, you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in, and in the Father. What the heck is he talking about? 
Let me read that again. Therefore, let that, there's that word again, abide. It's all through this chapter. Let, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. What do you think the beginning means right there? When you were saved. When you first became a Christian. Go back to that day. What kind of led you to becoming a Christian? The simplicity that I'm a sinner and I can't do anything about it and I need Jesus' blood to cover my sin and God was gracious enough to do that. And I asked him to do that and come live in my heart. Go back to that is what John is saying. When he gets a little crazy and things get a little out of hand and you begin to doubt, go back to that day. This is what was happening. You know, I told you all last week, <clears throat> the simple witnesses, this is what I was like before without the gory details. This is what happened when Jesus came into my heart, and this is how it is today. It takes three minutes. Go back to that time when, when Jesus knocked on that door, when he tapped you in the heart and said, hey, I got a solution for this. Hang on to that, John is saying. Now let's keep going. If you heard from, if uh, what you heard from the beginning abides in you, so if you go back to that and it was truly salvation and you can wrap your hands around it and your mind around it and your heart, if you go back to that and remember that, kick that superficial feelings to the side and hang on to that. He says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide with the Son. See, you see how we're breaking it down there? Go back to that day. All right, let's just say, John David played college baseball. Let's just say when he got in, and every college athlete does it. I'm telling you, everyone I've ever talked to, myself included, when you get there and you look around and Jim can hit, Tommy can hit, Dan can hit, Billy Snyder can hit, McCoy can hit, everybody can hit. Then I look over here, Woody can pitch, Tony can pitch, Leo and Dalton can pitch. I'm not the big dog. And then I go out there and get my ears pinned back one day. And you think, I'm ready to go home. I'm not good enough to play. I can't do this. What you need to do is step back, and I've told that one and his brother. <clears throat> they signed you for a reason. You can play. Jesus saved you. Don't ever forget that. When they're beating on you, the enemy, and he's stomping that head, and you, you, you succumb in weakness. Don't forget Jesus saved you. And he forgives you. I have a hard time understanding that because I'm so legalistic. When I fail, I think I need to go. I would be a good Roman Catholic because I, I feel like I need to do penance. <laughs> and there's no such thing. I feel like I need to pay my dad off all the time. But just go back to the beginning, July 1975, when, when, when I asked Jesus into my heart. Just go back to the start. What are they, when it gets real bad at football practice, what do y'all do one day, Coach Now Y'all go back to the fundamentals, go back to the basics. When he would be struggling a little bit at the plate, you know what we'd do? We'd set that thing on the tee. All right, now, John David, we're hitting up the middle. Put that ball back a little bit. We're going to focus on right field. Put that ball up. We're going to focus on turning and pulling it. We, I'm telling you, that's what we did every day, is it not? Every day we, we, we did that. That's why he could hit. We set that thing. You think, well, you know, I hear, but well, it needs to be out there. They need to be throwing hard. Now we need to go back to the simple things. Because if you can't hit it solid sitting still, you sure as heck can't hit it 98 miles an hour in doing that. You can't jump into Hebrews 
and get your belly full. You'll be like, uh, uh, you sit around with your mouth open. Go back to the basics. And that's that's what John is talking about right here. Let me see what let me read what Jeremiah says here. Uh we hear the word of God when we were saved. The question is, is that word continuing in you today? Do you go back to that and think, God, thank you for saving me? Because if you go back to that day and think, God, I, I really, I really appreciate that you 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 love me enough to do that. Hey, we can go from there. All right. Is it still the benchmark for your life and the decisions you make? If so, John says, <clears throat> and he's what he's saying there is, hey, because you're saved, does that determine how you work today, what you do today, how you behave today, the things you say today? Is that what you is that what you base your your being on? Your character, your behavior. If it ain't, we need to go back and get started because we ain't started. All right. He says, and if John, so if so, John says that we will continue in our relationships with the Son and the Father. No one has been completely consistent in obeying the Word of God since being saved. Ain't that nice to know? Because what does the enemy come up to you, Tommy, and say? You're the only one. What did we have that conversation? You're the only one. Guess what? No. You're not. I'm an idiot, too. I'm the biggest idiot. Even Paul in Romans 7, what did he say? The things I want to do, I ain't doing. That's terrible grammar, but I'm trying to make a point. The things I don't want to do, that's what I do. God, I'm thinking, Paul, keep talking, dude. I relate to that. I can wrap my mind around that. Because I believe I got that tattooed on my eyelids, the inside of it. And he says, the issue is, have we been consistently consistent? Hey, you go over for four. But 0 for 4 is one out of 162 games in the major leagues. Are you consistent? You might go 0 for 20, but at the end of the year, you're 300, hitting 300. Well, that 0 for 20 is just a small sample. To 30 minutes is just a small sample. He said, that is, have we continually returned to the word? Are you consistently consistent? And what Jeremiah, David Jeremiah means with it, have is have we continually returned to the Word and taken up its calling on our life? When those times come, do you go back to that? Because we all fall, I promise you. And I need somebody to tell me that every now and then. We all do. But do we have a burden in our heart not to do that anymore? And do we return with our head and our tail tucked. And God, please forgive me. And you know what I say, God? I don't understand. I do not understand why God tolerates me. I, I really don't. I taught school 25 years, man, and I have two boys, 23 and 21, soon to be 24. And if I if they behave the way I behave toward God, toward me and their mother, I, I believe I'd have thumped both of them's head, plumb off their head, off their shoulders. But God's way more tolerable and merciful toward me. All right? All right. Roman numeral number three. Or number two. The last two is very short. I told you that first one was kind of long. The motive for our consistency. Why should we be consistent? Look at verse 28. Let's go back to it. That's the main verse. Verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him. Now, we've been talking about abiding for the whole 30 minutes here. All right? Abide in him. That when he appears, here's this is B part of, of verse 28. This is, this is our motive. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. What's our motive? To be consistent. So 
So we'll be confident when he, when he plays. Go back to when you was a young All right, school. When you were a kid in school. Either or. My case, both. Your mom and daddy ever walk in or your teacher ever walk in kitchen? I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do right here. It's even to get ugly. Y'all been there? I'd never forget, man. Been there spring battle. Greatest place in the world to go to school. Miss Hooper. I love Miss Hooper. One of my favorite teachers. She probably piled me 15 times. I don't know. I see her to this day and I hug her neck. And I tell her, I said, Miss Hooper, you're my favorite. My favorite, her and Mr. Sandlin was our principal. They were my favorite eighth grade down teachers. Well, Miss Hooper walked out of the room down at Spring Valley. I mean, crap, we didn't have it. Like 12 people in the classroom. You know, that were, we were like a dirty dozen. Well, our boyhood friend and I, on Wade Dover, decided we was going to chicken fight while Miss Hooper was out of the room. So we cleaned the desk out. We had six boys and six girls. So that was two teams of three. I mean, three teams of two. You know, I was on somebody's back. Wade was on somebody's back. Jeff Gargis, I don't know. We was all Jeff Hart. We Mark Williams and Tim Wellington. That was the six boys. We was all paired up, man. We was in there. You know, you know what chicken fighting is? You're on your shoulder. You do it in the pool. And we was going at it, man, and girls were hee-hawing, you know, we were cool. Miss Hooper walked in, we wasn't real cool. That got us there all six pallet. You know, I'm turning around like, oh, somebody's going to get hurt here today. You know, and she caught us not doing what we're supposed to be doing. You been there? You know, your daddy walk in, your mama walk in, your teacher walk in. You know, so don't be caught not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I can't was when I was growing up. One of the reasons I did I don't I never been drunk a day in my life. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling. I was scared. All right, my daddy would have killed me. I probably would have not made 24. Uh, but I always had in my mind when Jesus returns, I want to be in a honky tonk. You know, <laughs> that's. Because I've gone, I've gone to Valley Grove since 1964, I guess, when I was conceived. You know, I was born in July of 65. I mean, first week I was down there at Valley Grove Church. Miss Libby might have been changing my diaper. That's Dan's mother, you know. Or Miss Emma, my dad-in-law, my, my wife's grandma. I don't know, my grandmother, somebody was down there. They they. Do I, do I want to be, because I knew right and wrong, do I want to be somewhere I'm not? Nowadays, it don't bother me so bad. Is that not terrible? I was better then than I am now. So be, don't, this is, and I, when I got in the shower this morning, I finished this up this morning, I got in the shower, I thought, golly, God, you're really convicting me about <clears throat> consistency. This up and down Christian life drives me nuts, personally. And I feel like the older I've got, the more wavy it's got. I'm not talking about running water. I'm talking about the rapids of the Colorado River, almost. You know, I need to get out of that and get on the lake where the water's calm, you know. He says here, according to verse... Why should we be consistent? So we won't shrink. What is the feeling you had when you were caught? Always be ready. I've already talked about all that. Roman numeral number three this will be the last thing. The measure of our consistency. So how do we know if we've, gone, if we've been consistent? All right. How will we know? Look at verse 28 again, the last part. And it says here, I'm going to start in the middle. If what you heard, oh, I'm, I'm wrong. One. Last part. He appears and we have uh, confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. What's the measure of us being consistent? Our ashamedness. The amount that we are ashamed. You know what? I, I, I got caught down there today chicken fighting or whatever they call that. I guess we call it chicken pie. I don't know. 
you know, I was caught. We marched out there, and I knew I was supposed to get my rear end toe up. Funny story, Wade jumped up there and said, I'll be first. Miss Hooper laid the wood to him three times. He goes back in the door, and she says, hey, get back over here. He said, what for? You done gave me three. You can't give me but three. She said, that first one wasn't good enough. He said, I'll tell my daddy. She said, I hope you do. Wham! Just lit him up again, son. I thought, I'm going to go and get my three out of the way. Let's go. I'm number two. I didn't want to – I was wanting her to still not be loose yet, you know. That's just, man, that's great stuff. I love it. But don't be ashamed at the end because there's a telltale sign. I fell asleep last night, man, at halftime. Is that not pathetic? Me and John David went and played golf yesterday. I was so tired. So I bet I fell asleep at 8, 30, 9 o'clock and slept to 5.30 this morning. I don't know if I've slept six hours in a month of years. But I was tired. But I did see one time there, Najee Harris, they handed it off to him there one time. and He got back to the huddle and he had that excruciating... I thought, can they give it to him one more time? Because he looks like he's about to go. He looks like he's about to pass out. You know, like he was he, he was at the end. He couldn't do anymore. He was sucking so much wind. How are we going to be? And I'm thinking, that tells me he's putting forth the effort. But he stayed in the game because back in May and June, he was conditioning. And, and that could go for Alabama, Auburn. Tupelo. Preparedness keeps you sustainable, consistent. Like the first of the game, like the, how do these guys start out throwing 98 and in the ninth inning they're still throwing 98? It's because they're consistently training their arm to work, to throw, to throw, to throw. Me and Hogan went and, and Dolan and Caleb Willis went to St. Louis several years ago to see the Cardinals play. They were playing the Astros. And I don't even remember, somebody was pitching for the Astros. Our seats were here. The bullpen was right here in left field for the Astros. Well, that guy starts throwing down here, and I'm telling you, man, he throws for 30 minutes. He ain't got a dry stitch on him. Game ain't even started. Of course, it's St. Louis in July now because she's about 105, all right? It was 99 at 730 when the game started, literally. I looked at Dolan, I said, my word, man, he's throwing a game down here. How does he go out there and throw 105 pitches? It's because he's trained himself. Not to be ashamed on the mound. All right, let's keep reading here. How will we know we were consistent? He tells us here two ways, ashamed or assured. We will either be – when we stand – Let's think, keep that in mind because i got another question here that I'm going to read something. I'll be through, I promise. For Christians, where will we find out if we were ashamed or assured? For Christians now, judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat they call. There's two judgments in Revelation. This is free of charge. It's the great white throne judgment. That's of the lost. If you're there, you're out of luck. Now, the, the, the judgment seat of Christ, also known as the Bema seat, is where we were judged as Christians for what God has told us to do that we did or didn't do. Okay? Keep that in mind. I explained it. Let me read this and I'll hush it. The next thing was judgment seat of Christ. Explain that's what it is. There's two judgments. Don't ever forget that. The great white throne judgment, that's the one you do not want to be at. That is not a place to be because that's, a, that's an express ticket to hell. That's what that line gets you. That's the wide road. The narrow road is the judgment seat of Christ, okay? We're going to have, you're going to heaven, but you're going to be judged on, and, and there's crowns. There's five crowns. Crown of life, you know, I can't think of all of them. I got them wrote down in my Bible. And he, he Jeremiah, and this David Jeremiah study Bible explains it, but they're in there. 
There's five crowns. And what we get to do with those as Christians is give those back to Christ. And you want to have something to give. I don't know. I don't, you know, you don't want to be one of those guys that show up meat all the time, not ever bring anything to the covered dish. You know what I'm saying? You know, we go down, mother of mine, when we Valley Grove down there, well, we can't go to the supper because I ain't got anything fixed. We wasn't going to just go down there and mooch off everybody else's brain. We had to have some sort of meat casserole, you know. The, the Baptist staple is casserole. And we had to have something to take for us to eat. You want to have something to give to Jesus at the, in heaven. All right, let me read this because I've got four or five paragraphs here because Jeremiah just lays it out. And then this will be it. The Bible mentions five different crowns that believers will receive for, as rewards for different aspects of service while on earth. This is will you be assured. This is, this is the assured when you get to heaven. You're a Christian, but you, this is, hey, I'm not going to be ashamed. Okay, it's just what he's talking about. Revelation 4.10 pictures to Christ casting the, uh, the church, rather, casting those crowns before the throne of God in adoration and worship. What kind of reward will you and I receive at the judgment seat of Christ? Think about it. What are you doing, man? Here's that look in the mirror. If you got a ticket out of hell, are you doing any good? Are you on the team or are you playing? Well, I said the last two weeks, are you a spectator or are you a participator? Participation, way more fun. We watched a little baseball game yesterday. Me and John David did driving back from Bolton. We went to play golf. You know, and I tell you, you know what drives me nuts? It drives me nuts watching John David and Hogan play because they don't. I don't smoke, but they can't make enough cigarettes. I'd a whole lot rather be out there myself. Feel like I got some control. Plus, it's kind of it kind of gets my tractor going a little bit. Cranks my tractor a little bit to be participating. Keeps me sharp. Keeps me on edge. It keeps me ready. And I'm jealous of them for playing. But it's horrible as a father to watch. Not that they can't play, but I'm just nervous. On edge all the time. Here's the ashamed part. So be a participator. Don't be a spectator. If, that, if that's what you, if you don't want to be ashamed, because we're going to stand there one of these days, Christian. We'll be, will we be ashamed? Here's it. The issue will not be perfection. Jeremiah says, this kind of goes back to what Tommy was talking about. The issue will not be perfection, but rather living consistent, as we just discussed. In spite of our moments of weakness, did we continue on in the faith, faithful service to Christ after we sinned? Or did we gradually get entrapped in sin and live a life of self-centeredness? So the question is whether uh, we receive forgiveness and continue serving the Lord, or did we remain Sunday-only Christians all of our life, living on the uh, periphery of the body of Christ instead of making a true difference for Him? Listen to this, and this is the last thing. You want to know, are there tears in heaven? The Bible says that Jesus will wipe away all the tears. You know, but it also says when you get to heaven, there'll be no more tears. Why is there, is that a contradiction? No, it's explained right here. The Bible says, Revelation verse 24 says, the Bible says that God will, quote unquote, wipe away every tear from their eyes. And Jeremiah believes, and I believe this too. And I believe that those will be tears of regret and shame. In the eyes of those, me and you, who inherit the kingdom of heaven, but do so after not living faithfully for Christ on earth. You ever got caught? You go, go back to your mom and dad and you got caught and you, and you, and you, you're crying not because you got that tail tore up. You're crying because you let your parents down. You know what I'm talking about? 
when we get to heaven, we will have some tears, but then Jesus will wipe them away and they won't be back. But they'll be there at the judgment seat because they're going to run up there and I'm going to notice every time I didn't do what Jesus asked me to do. Like the time he told me to go talk to uh, Edwin Fretwell when my daddy and I were up there and I got the van and left. That'll be discussed. That'll be discussed. That's a sad commentary. That's one example. And Jesus had to wipe that away because I was told that everyone became a Christian before he died. But what if I was his last chance? He's in hell and I'm in hell and I, I got to live that. Because I was disobedient. That's something to ponder. Something to ponder for me. So, there will be some tears there. Let's just try not to have as many as Let's try not to add to them. Because <laughs> I already got some stored up like that. I know. My goal should be not to add to them. And be consistent. Stay consistent. In this world, stay consistent. We talked about it. in God's Word. Do the things that... You know, we used to see those bracelets, WWJD. Well, I mean, just do it. Be like Nike. Just do it. Does anybody got a thing to add or subtract? Don't forget, we got two more of this, and then we'll get into grace. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that will allow us to be consistent. God, thank you for the challenge. You really, you, you really convicted me with this lesson on my consistency. And God, forgive me for that. And God, I say this, and I know I know what's coming. This afternoon and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, the enemy will come. And he'll be knocking for inconsistency. And God, keep my eyes focused on you. God, keep my eyes focused on you. Keep my mind and my eyes and my heart and my words and my thoughts and my actions to help me to walk like you walked, as John wrote there in chapter two. And God, I, I can't I can't do it, God, without you. I know I can't. I fail miserably without you. You God forgive me for that. God, please be with these prayer requests. David Lawler breaks my heart. I think that guy's probably younger than me, God, and he just he, I can't imagine. Or be with him. Be with his family. God, give him encouragement. God, let him know you're there. Put your arms around And every one of these prayer requests, God, they need your arms around you. Around God, I pray for healing for those folks. All of them. And God, I pray for our services today. And I thank you for these guys here. God, I just, I thank you for loving me and forgiving me. God, thank you mostly for Jesus that affords us all the things we just talked about. Because of your love for this world, you hope that none should perish. You sent Jesus. Thank you, God. But we ask these things in your sweet name.